When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. The force will be with you, always. I'm your number one fan. <laughs> oh, that clip from Misery is so creepy. Uh, not a film I want to watch again in a hurry, though it was fantastic. This is Simon Rose. I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson, who is going to explain to us what's been happening at the UK box office. James, I'm not the most astute or observant person in the world, but even I've noticed it's been a bit warm lately. It has indeed. Uh, do you remember last weekend? Uh, <laughs> I was sort of not able to do very much, I felt, but it seemed to me to be incredibly hot. I think it was hotter. I mean, I suppose because I was actually out. Well, no, I was out during the hottest day in history as well. But it seemed hotter last weekend. Yeah. But then I was at a funeral and the reception, it was just unbearable. So inevitably, yes, down from the previous weekend, a whopping 25.7%. And then, of course, this is now the third week in a row we've had a drop. The previous weekend, it was down 9.9%. And the weekend before that, it was down 7.9%. Though looking optimistically, it is still higher than last year. Total box office. Yes, it is. When the cinemas were closed for five months. (laughs) Yes. But I like your optimism. (laughs) But thank heavens we've got a big blockbuster coming up next weekend. James Purefoy, can he really pull the crowds in, starring in Fisherman's Friends, one and all? <laughs> it's a I Fisherman's Friends think... sequel as well, isn't it? I didn't even watch the original. Was I wrong not to? Uh, I was kind of dreading it. It wasn't great, but I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And I was, because my wife really enjoys those sorts of films, she loved it. And that sort of helped sort of buoy me along mm. when I did see it. But obviously it did well enough that we now have a sequel. But looking at the box office as it is, we Mm. only got one film that made more than a million last weekend. Nope. Yes, it did. It's called Nope. And I think you probably know quite a lot about it because they have been really pushing it. Well, I tried not to find much out about it because... Well, I'm going to not tell you much about it. (laughs) Okay. Well, if that's the only film in the chart, you'll have to string this telling me nothing out for quite a long time. Well, I think I can tell you things, the the mood of the film. Last week, week I reviewed the new Skydance animation cartoon, Luck, available on Apple Plus TV. I talked about why Brad Pitt was called Ladybug in Mm. Bullet Train, because the Beatle apparently brings good fortune, and about the lucky bracelet that Viggo Mortensen wore in Ron Howard's gripping 13 lives on Amazon Prime. Now, in Nope, Daniel Kaluuya has a horse called Lucky, 
who has right. a very big part in the film. So luck is just the last four films I've seen have been permeated with luck and Nope got to number one. But Daniel Kaluuya is not actually the star of Nope. Johnny Byrne is the sound designer. That is not oh, to say okay. Kalula isn't great. He is and totally credible as a horse whisperer who trains horses for Hollywood productions. Mm. But it is the sound beneath the drama, both at its subtlest and most dramatic, that propels the emotional trajectory of Jordan Peele's third film as director, following his critical and commercial hits, Get Out and mm. Us. You really have to speak Jordan Peele's titles because this is nope and it's <laughs> okay. get out and us people weren't sure if that was us or US. Although its themes are not unfamiliar in the Hollywood canon, there is a way that Jordan Peele constructs his films and how he places his camera that makes nope feel completely different from anything else we've seen. The movie opens at the scene of a massacre where we see Gordy, a chimpanzee, in a, t in a TV studio wearing a party hat and covered in blood with a neon applause sign behind him. Talk about an arresting opening. I was never entirely sure how this fitted in with the rest of the movie other than a witness at the massacre is a character later on. Nope is a genre film that doesn't really play the genre game, even though it delivers its money shots with sheer pizzazz. It's also deliciously strange and creepy. And by withholding vital evidence, which I will do as well, it keeps us involved. The second scene sees Keith David as Kalula's dad astride a magnificent horse in a corral when a breeze whips up and things start to plunge out of the sky. Things like coins and keys. Mm -hmm. With appalling bad luck, a falling quarter slices its way through Keith David's eye. The <laughs> event is referred obliquely to a misadventure concerning the jettisoned contents of an aeroplane. But Kalula's OJ, who has taken over his father's business, just doesn't buy it. Another star of the film is the Californian landscape, almost empty, but not quite, while a cloud perched on the horizon doesn't appear to have moved for weeks. But nobody would notice a mere cloud. There's a good support from Kiki Palmer as OJ's sister, as talkative as he is taciturn, and there's a nice sibling dynamic between the two. Kalula, who, of course, won an Oscar for his turn as Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah, making him the first English black actor to win an Academy Award, is not your typical leading man, but his American accent is perfect and he's very credible as a human being, more comfortable in the presence of horses than other people. Let's just say he ain't Chris Pratt or Tom Cruise. He's real, man. Mm. And that adds a note of authenticity to the proceedings. Of course, the joy of cinema, other than being entertained or scared out of your wits, is that you learn so much. Here, Jordan Peele tells us that the very first moving image on ever, ever, was of a man on horseback. 
And in fact, he was a black man establishing the first animal wrangler, the first stuntman, and indeed the first movie star was black. It all adds color to an accomplished genre movie, an experience that may well niggle at your dreams for weeks to come. Is it scary? Yes. Oh, that was going to be my question because I didn't see Us. I loved Get Out, but Us sounded too horrific for me. This is strange and unsettling, I suppose, more than terrifying. I think you could cope with it. Okay. Okay. I don't think it's as good as Get Out. But there's this constant feeling as if you're on your back foot and you're not entirely sure why, because it's the way that Jordan Peele puts his films together. Mm. Intriguing. Intriguing. But I've told you very little, Simon. Well, true. I, I'm slightly worried that you told me slightly too, too much because I do. Well, I haven't to told it. you beyond the first two <laughs> no, scenes. I know, I know, I know, I know. I, you don't I, know I'm more avoiding than... the trailer. How do they well, manage with the trailer then, or have you not seen it? I don't watch trailers. No, I neither do I. For obvious reasons. Trouble is, you, sometimes you can't help hearing. I mean, I'm listening to a classical music radio station and keep hearing the trailer for Fisherman's Friends 2, whatever they're calling it. And, all you know, I one. feel I've probably heard all the best jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is rather annoying. Now, you say it's number one on the chart. You didn't tell us, I think, how much it's taken. It went. It made £1.9 million, just beneath £2 million. But, lots, lots of screens. Um, I th- well, actually, it was, yes, it was at a lot of screens, but it's, it's not very much, average though. of two thousand seven hundred and thirty was lower than both us and Get Out. The it was at six hundred and seventy six screens. Disappointing. Then it, maybe it was just the hot weather, but you would think that as a director, he would and writer, he that he would have attracted quite a lot of. Um, fans by now I think it's getting a lot of word of mouth and when the weather cools and it has cooled now mm. I think people will I think it's got good holding power okie doke because right. people real people I'm not talking about film critics are already getting into it good so good. I think it's not going to plunge like Bullet Train did in its second week down to 68% it was at number one last mm-hmm. weekend for a total of 5.1 million uh, well, DC League of Super Bets, it is the holidays, held much stronger, down only 32%, with a total of £8.2 million, which I was surprisingly tickled by with the voices of Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, Keanu Reeves, and Alfred Molina. And oddly enough, I liked Bullet Train more than you, and clearly more than most other people. Ah. Yes, it yes. didn't get very good reviews. No, and it certainly didn't. I, I haven't actually met anybody who's seen it other than you, but I'm glad you enjoyed it, Simon. At number four, we have Minions, The Rise of Gru, which was at number three, down 32% as well, for a total of 38.6 million, with the voices of Steve Carell, Russell Brand, and Julie Andrews. At five, we've got Taika Waititi's Thor, Love and Thunder, which was at four. Thor, Thor was at four. Um down 43% for a total of 34.6 million. At number six, we've got Baz Luhrmann's Elvis with a miscast Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker, down 44% for a total of 22.7 million. And it's interesting, the clips, because I think you're very clever the way you play the clips at the start of the show, because you play Forrest Gump. 
And Lal Singh Chadha is an Indian remake of Forrest Gump. It's a very long <laughs> Indian drama with both romance and comedy. Well, I played um, it because that, because of Elvis and, and Tom Hanks. I didn't realise there was a, a double degree of cleverness. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, you you are very um, astute. At number eight, we've got Top Gun Maverick, which was at number six, down 34%. Still lagging behind Titanic mm. in the all-time top ten. Nine, Where the Crawdads Sing, which was at seven, down 49% for a total of £6.1 million. And at ten... And I'm still trying to see this, but I'm told that it's showing at my cinema next week, but I've just looked it up, and it's not. Prima Facie, which is the National Theatre live yes. production of Susie Miller's one-woman play. It's essentially and I, I want a to monologue. go, it's still, yeah, it, it is. But mm. I will I will go back again and say, when is it showing? I'm determined to see it. I, I should go and see it, because I'm in London and it is showing next week. The trouble is, it, it just, it seems like the sort of thing that puts you through the ringer. And I just can't help feeling I don't know if I'm up to it. Everybody I've seen says it's absolutely fantastic. But people are crying. They're holding on to the person they don't know sitting next to them. People are lending each other oh, handkerchiefs really? and things. It's no. And that, that, uh, both in the theatre and apparently also in the cinema. But, um, yeah, I, clearly it is something quite extraordinary. Uh, well, James, I will persevere. I do really want to see it. Yeah. Uh, good moment, though, for us just to pause before we look at what else is around. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film, which is in the capable hands of James Cameron Wilson. So we've looked at the chart, James, down 26%, third drop in a row. Yes. And um, yes, Will Fisherman's Friends, the sequel, rescue it next week, uh, as many cinema owners are probably wondering at this very moment. Where do we go now, though? Okay, so to my DVD of the week, the UK Blu-ray premiere of the Kirk Douglas Weston, Man Without a Star. Now, this is not about a sheriff who has lost his badge, but about a cowboy, in the literal sense, who has lost his bearing in life, unlike other men in the Old West who pick a star in the night Hmm. to guide them by. The movie starts... You're often a wandering one. Uh, oh, indeed. Oh, what, yes. <laughs> uh, the movie starts with Frankie Lane's rendition of the title song. The night is dark. The way is far for a man without a star. Considering that this was a Western quickie shot in just four weeks in 1955, it has gained something of a reputation over the years and was very successful at the box office. In one source, Douglas claimed that he made a million dollars from the film because his production company was involved. And that was a lot of money 67 years ago. When it started, I have to say, my heart did sink uh, as it was in full garish technicolor. I don't know why I was hoping it was black and white. Uh, It's obviously been restored and beautifully at that and accompanied by Frankie Lane's cheesy title song. And Kirk Douglas, complete with a mop, of blonde hair. It was like he was playing his role like a female Calamity Jane. This was a thigh-slapping, know-it-all drifter who charmed the ladies out of the boudoir and made friends with any hobo willing to share a glass of liquor with him. Mm. In fact, we first meet Dempsey Ray. Even his name sounds like a country and western dance. (laughs) In a boxcar, when he saves the life of a young fellow drifter, 
William Campbell, not once, but twice, and they become inseparable friends. They then trudge into town where Dempsey is welcomed by an equally blonde Claire Trevor, and both Dempsey and his new friend Jeff are, are hired to ride the range. By this stage, I can actually feel my toes curling when gradually the film begins to shed its super, superficial layers of B-movie Western, because beneath all the wide-grinning bonhomie of Dempsey Ray lay a man with a, with a troubled past with both physical and mental scars to prove it. Kurt Douglas always enjoyed playing characters of intermediate light and shade, and Dempsey is a likeable man you would not want to cross. It's also an immensely physical role for the star, who not only has to rope, herd, and brand cattle, but ride, and ride very well, sing, dance, and play the banjo. And one scene in particular highlights Kirk Douglas's dedication to his role as he spins and twirls his six-shooter like Tom Cruise juggling bottles in cocktail. It really is a sight to behold and must have taken Douglas weeks of rehearsal to perfect. I was also drawn to the attention to detail from a discussion about the different types of saddle used mm. back then mm. to the shock of even thinking of installing a bathroom with a tub inside a house indoors which right. was a huge shock and he actually you see kirk douglas seeing the first bathroom inside a house it's also got a strong female lead in gene crane who plays an ambitious and ruthless ranch owner but while attracted to dempsey cannot get a handle on him it's actually quite a complex film wrapped in an entertaining colorful bauble with quite a bit of implication mm. That must have elevated a few eyebrows in its day, not to mention the nuanced sexual content. But then this quickie is directed by King Vidor, who he who was nominated for Best Director five times by the American Academy for The Crowd, Hallelujah, The Champ, The Citadel and War and Peace. Had a massively long career. He, he did, of course. He yeah, started yeah. famously in Silent Cinema. Yes, absolutely. And he was finally bestowed with an Oscar, an honorary Oscar in 1979 for, and I quote, his incomparable achievements as a cinematic creator and innovator. So this actually, it's nice because this gets much better as it goes along. I thought it was very cheesy when it began. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that Kirk Douglas is an alcoholic and all these other things start to emerge. Mm -hmm. And I, I, apart from the fact, it's very entertaining. And I was surprised how much I was gripped by the end and disappointed when it ended, because it's not very long. It's, it's only 89 minutes, and it's now available on Blu-ray from Eureka, the Masters of Cinema. I don't think I've ever seen it. Have you not? I don't Kirk think so. Kirk Douglas, Gene Crane, and all the old familiars, like yes. Jack Elam and J.C. Lippen. Hard to tell you. Through the, you know, through the decades, it's, sometimes if they don't stick in the memory, it's hard to tell one wrestling from another in your rec recollection. But um, maybe I will give it a go. Thank you very much, James. And a youngish oh. Richard Boone, who I thought was surprisingly good-looking back then. Mm. 
Okay. So where next? Well, I think we have to have a streaming title. Mm. I have a problem with the Predator franchise. <laughs> yes. And that's with the Predator. It's a seven-foot alien of phenomenal strength endowed with an arsenal of deadly high-tech weapons. And not only that, it's invisible to the human eye. It all seems terribly unfair, particularly when the only thing it's interested is in killing everything in its path. It's not just a concept that interests me. It, it, any more than Jason in the Halloween films has an uncanny ability of disappearing at the most inconvenient moments. I think a good movie antagonist has to have the opportunity of being beaten or at least outwitted mm. by its human prey. The first Predator surfaced in 1987 in John McTiernan's Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger's paramilitary leader on the case. Since then, we've had Predator 2, Alien versus Predator, Alien versus Predator Requiem, Predators, and as is the fashion these days, the Predator with the definite article tacked on. I actually thought the last one wasn't bad, having explained that the extraterrestrials are more interested in our DNA than our planet, which appears to be on the edge of extinction, thanks to our insistence on patronising the likes of EasyJet and Norwegian Airlines. And now we have a seventh chapter, which ditches the Predator moniker, altogether opting for the succinct prey for its title. In fact, Prey, available on Disney+, Plus, doesn't even feel like a Predator movie and could just as easily have been called Predator the Revenant. I say the Revenant because it reminded me of Alejandro Inorito's The Revenant on a number of occasions being set in the North American North, featuring Native Americans and fur trappers and a rampant bear. In fact, Prey opens very promisingly indeed, set against a stunning backdrop. It was filmed in Alberta and featuring a young Comanche, Comanche woman named Nehru, played by the, a real Native American actress going by the name of Amber Mid-Thunder. I should say it's set 300 years ago. Um, in fact, there are some very engaging scenes where we see Nehru practicing with her tomahawk eventually learning to attach it to a rope so that she can retrieve it from the body of her prey. There is also a wonderful sequence in which we see an ant, which is then gobbled by a possum, which in turn is devoured by a rattlesnake. And we can see where this chain of predation is headed when the rattlesnake is snatched up and skinned by an unseen entity. Prey directed by Dan Trachtenberg is different in, in that it is a feminist action thriller that portrays the Comanche people in a non-patronizing patronizing way and whose attention to detail, the preparation of herbs and the preparation of mm. weaponry is actually really quite interesting. And thanks to the lighting of Chris Cutter, it's ravishing to look at. Amber Mid-Thunder also makes a most appealing heroine, determined to make her own way in the world, regardless of her gender. She's a good tracker too, and she knows that those tracks in the mud don't belong to something as petite as a grizzly bear. You know where this is going, but Nehru is a protagonist to root for. And then it all turns into a predator film. Oh. Damn it. So I was really enjoying it. And anyway, it's it's 
it's better than the franchise it's representing. And where is it on? You Disney, sorry, Disney Plus. Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. Right. Okay. It's one of those channels I don't actually get at the moment. But it's, it's yeah. I mean, Disney Plus don't have many original films, but they do do tend to have rather good ones. This is not as good as Fresh, which I think is the best film of the year. James, but, thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Prey. We also looked at Man Without a Star. And, of course, Nope, which is top of the UK box office charts. We'll see if it is at the same time next week. My thanks to James Cameron Wilson. All my life, I've been waiting for someone. And when I find her, she's she's a fish. You're tearing me apart! Why so serious, something?